Osiris. Twenty-five years in my life is still trying to get up this great big hill of hope for our destination. I realized quickly when I knew I should. World is made up of brotherhood of men for whatever that means. And so I cry sometimes when I'm lying in bed just to get it all out. It's in my head and I feel it a little peculiar. And then I wake in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high. What's up, everybody? This is Karina Immer, and um, yeah, this is a Goose Girls takeover, basically. I was really excited to be invited by Greg, Joey, and Bruce to hop on the great beyond and just kind of take over for the day. Um, We have a really fun podcast coming up with Alicia Carlin, a really badass professional in the industry. Um, who has a ton of fun stories and interesting insight to share with us today. And there are also some fun announcements that we'd like to share with you. And I actually have my best friend from childhood here with me, Julia Mitri. Hello, hello. So the guys asked me who I should have on the podcast with me to do announcements with. Um, Someone that I felt super comfortable with and had fun with. (laughs) And I immediately thought of Julia because when we were little, we just always thought of having a, you know, radio station together or, you know, and then in later days podcast. So it's a little bit of a childhood dream of hers that we're here today on the podcast, just kind of um, shaking it out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, very happy to be here. Very honored to be sitting here with my best friend and um, just excited to share some really fun announcements. And that brings us into our announcements or Goose's announcements. So first off, for all of you Connecticut dwellers, Rick and Matt Campbell of Vasudo are playing an acoustic set this weekend on Saturday, May 21st at 1.30 p.m in Darien, Connecticut, in support of Shatterproof, a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising awareness around addiction and prevention, treatment and recovery. You can click on the link in the Vasudo Instagram bio to learn more about this event and how to attend. So that's really cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Some other very obvious fun announcements that everyone has kind of caught on about already is the summer tour. So shout out summer tour. Woo! Back on the road again. Um, So they're playing at some really legendary venues. We don't need to tell you guys about it because you probably already know, but obviously Radio City, 
the legendary Red Rocks Amphitheater, um, mm-hmm. the Greek in LA. Julia's from LA, so she'll be at the Greek. I'll be at Red Rocks and the Greek. Oh, I forgot. Yes, you will. So be. come say hi. Okay. And some really cool festivals like the Thing Festival in Port Townsend, Washington, Sacred Rose in Bridgeview, Illinois, um, Boston Calling, which is right in our backyard. Um, so many amazing events and obviously the wonderful Legend Valley in Thornville. Um, just an incredible venue. And oh, last but definitely not least, the Newport Folk Festival. And Julia and I uh, have been going to the Newport Folk Festival for how many years? I think my first one might have been in 2011. Wow. And I think my first one with you was 2014. Yeah. So over 10 years. Not for for me. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's such an incredible festival. Yeah. Julia and I make it every year. And her grandmother actually lives in Newport. So we used to go with her back in the day. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just so incredible to see Goose playing there this summer. It's really surreal. Um, It's so fun because it's a festival that people actually love going to and the artists love going to. It's one that artists return to year after year because it's just so magical. You're literally sitting in the middle of a harbor in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island, quintessential New England, and you're seeing sailboats sail by, listening to Maggie Rogers or Jack White. We've seen incredible acts there. Yeah. We saw Dolly Parton there a few years ago. Oh my God, that, that was, was a surprise guest. That was incredible. My Morning Jacket. Roger Waters. Roger well, Waters. It was My Morning Jacket and Roger Waters. Yeah. I think it is set together. That was really cool. And it was raining. There was a rainbow. Yep. It was. It's It's just a beautiful festival. If you've never been, um, I know that they do ticket sales on their own uh, website. So you can't really purchase them anywhere else. But Yeah. And unfortunately, we are kind of teasing everyone because the festival is sold out. But there's always ways, as Julia said, to get tickets. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. on resale websites and stuff. So if you can make it there. But if not, we'll see you at some of the other shows this summer on tour. So, yeah. I mean, another big announcement is Austin City Limits just announced. Goose is playing two weekends there, which is just incredible. Um, What a legendary... I keep on saying legendary, but it's just really legendary. It really is. Um, Festival to be playing two weekends at starting October 7th um, and the following weekend as well. So get your tickets to ACL as the people say. And yeah, I I think that's about it, right, Julia? Well, I wouldn't end it right there. We have one more exciting thing to touch on, which is Goose released their studio version of Arrow, a song that I've only seen live, actually, um, at a few shows in the last couple of years. But... They finally released it, studio recording, and I've actually never listened to it, or I haven't listened to it yet. So you've come to the right place because we can totally play it right now and get a, uh, you know, reaction take of what you think. Should we do it? I think we should. Okay, let's go.
morning again We are back, and Julia just listened to the recording, the studio recording of Arrow, and I have to say I loved watching her face during it because (laughs) there is a diverse amount of uh, facial expressions, and I think she has a lot to say, so let's just hand it over to her. Well, I think my facial expressions were probably making up for my want to dance. It's a song that... Hearing it live, I'm always just going crazy and dancing and um, sitting down and listening to it. You really hear more of the the choices made with the instruments and like hearing a saxophone. Love that. Yeah. Um, Rick's voice sounds angelic as always. And it's just one of those songs that you listen to and like no matter how you're feeling, you feel better after you hear it. I love that. Yeah, I, don't, I totally agree. And also, I really like the, um, yeah, the diversification of moods throughout the song, because as you say, it really just makes you want to dance and flail your arms and really freely express yourself. Um, but then in the bridge, when there's that quiet moment with the piano and Rick is, it's just kind of Rick, the piano, um, and silence it's really powerful because julie and i were just talking about how it kind of reminds us of that moment at a party when you're dancing so much and having a wonderfully fun time and then you kind of take a break and go to the bathroom or go into a more quiet area just to kind of gather yourself and collect yourself and it's kind of that muted feeling um yeah but in a very good way if you know what i mean do you know what i mean julia I love the way that you just explained that. I think everyone can relate to that feeling of hearing the music and feeling like the adrenaline going through your body, but then also feeling like when you take a step back from it and you're just buzzing. Which is also a really positive feeling when you step back for a moment, just to kind of have a moment to yourself. Yeah, it gives you perspective. And I'm excited for everyone to get to listen to it. Amazing. Well, thank you everyone for listening in on the news and uh, our little mini review of Arrow here. And we're going to dive in now to my interview with Alicia Carlin. So I hope everybody enjoys that. And thanks, Julia, for coming in today to, uh, you know, fluff my feathers. Thank you for having me. I hope I can come back one day. We'll see about that.
So I run to the river And it was bleeding I run to the sea And it was bleeding I run to the sea And it was bleeding Lord All on that day So I run to the river And it was boiling I run to the sea And it was boiling I run to the sea And it was boiling Lord Okay, we are live. Hi. Hi. So, this is the Goose Girls Takeover, as the great beyond likes to say. And um, I'm Karina Emmer. I don't know if many of you know me, but besides being Rick of Goose's partner, I'm also a businesswoman. (laughs) And I'm here today to interview a really badass businesswoman in the industry, Alicia Carlin. Thank you. Hi. And also, let's not forget, you've also written treatments for the bands, among other things. You're not just a partner. You're an active member of the crew. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Creative woman. Yes. I like to dabble here and there. Um, But yeah. So how's it going, Alicia? Good. Um, Just been traveling a bunch. I'm, I'm in New York right now. It's beautiful spring day. Things are good. Good. And what brings you to New York? Business or pleasure? Both? Business. Um, I am a tour promoter at AEG, and uh, we have the opening show of Forest Hill Stadium this weekend with Rex Orange County. So that's tomorrow, Saturday, May 14th. Amazing. Little plug there. Um, (laughs) So before we get into stuff, tell us about what you do at AEG, I mean, obviously you have a lot of things going on between Lively Electric Forest and AEG, but if you were to give like a super, you know, high level overview of what you're doing in the industry. Sure. Um, I have been with uh, AEG kind of on and off throughout my career since 2006. Um, Started there as uh, Don Strasberg's assistant opened up the AEG Denver office um, and then moved over to a company called Madison House and Madison House Presents, um, which we created Electric Forest um, Festival at Madison House Presents. And then in 2014, Madison House Presents was acquired by AEG. So I came back and have been working on the promoter side. Uh, I book Electric Forest Festival. I book all the talent on there. And I moved to LA in January of 2020. Great time to pick up your life and move. And and started working um, for the global touring team there as a tour promoter. So basically working with um, artists of all size and working with them kind of like soup to nuts on all of their touring. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking LA is definitely the spot to be like in the industry, you know, compared to Denver, you think? It's a lot more rich. Different. You know, I think um, there, as far as hubs go, you know, New York, LA, Nashville, and then Denver, of course, is uh, very central to most artists touring. Um, 
in North America. So it's a great place. And I was there for 15 years. Um, but it was kind of time for a change. And the headquarters is in LA and the global touring team is based out of LA and New York and um, felt like a great time to, to try something different. Awesome. Yeah, when I first met you, um, I think two years ago now, I was kind of like a mix of intimidated and also really inspired just because you have so much going on and you're building so much and you're so well connected and you're, you know, working so hard. So when Greg and Bruce asked me who I wanted to have on today for, you know, an industry interview, I was like, obviously Alicia Carlin, you know, oh my girl God. has a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm really Thanks. excited to dig into these things. Um, and I okay, have but shortly thereafter, you weren't intimidated anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first, yeah, the first moment meeting you, I was like, wow, like, who is this woman? But then, yeah, you were awesome. Very relatable. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, so I have to say, I did watch um, the Electric Forest video this morning. Um, what is it called? Like, 10,000 lights or something or it's called the it's the lights. mini documentary oh man now now i'm gonna have to look at what it's oh. called <laughs> well, it i call i call it the electric forest documentary that's what i said <laughs> on youtube because i've heard about it and i was like i gotta watch this video before i hop on here because full disclosure i have not been to electric forests before yet. but yeah it's, a million it's, shining lights a million shining lights that's it that's it um, yeah, and obviously Goose was supposed to play there, you know, during the COVID lockdown, but that was uh, canceled. So that was a bummer. But I was planning going then. Yeah, um, 2020, <laughs> the year that it never happened. The year that nothing ever happened. Um, but a lot happened at the same time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I watched this video just kind of, you know, I didn't really have any preconceived notions in mind. I was just like, let's just watch this video about electric forest. And I don't know what's going on if I'm like hormonal, but I was crying like a baby. Is that like a normal thing? Like, yeah, it is. It's normal. <laughs> Everybody cries. <laughs> and I haven't been there before. So I know it's just very, it's, it, it's an inspiring, I mean, you've been to a lot of like places, right? In a lot of festivals and there really isn't anything like it in, at least in North America. Um, I've been to festivals overseas that have like different elements. And I think it's just a really special place. I think you can feel kind of the community from watching that video and just understand that it's about more than just music. There's art, there's, you know, connection. There's just a lot happening that is really different. Um, and, you know, 2020 would have been our 10 year anniversary. So this June will be the actual, you know, 10 year, finally, 12 years later. Wow. That's, that's huge. And yeah, I mean, from, I did have one close friend in high school and her and her boyfriend would drive all the way out to, you know, electric forest every summer. And that's a huge drive from Connecticut. And I was just so liberal parents of theirs. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But like, I was so perplexed. I was like, wow, someone can really be obsessed with a festival that much. And I just never understood. But it seems like, it's, I think it's pretty normal for a band to have a following like that, but for a festival and a place to have a following like that and to sell out before the lineup is even announced is just crazy. So really, it's it's definitely a special place. And it has, you know, the forest in the middle of the festival has a lot of really cool um, 
you know, meaning for a lot of people. A lot of people have been going for so long. We have a loyalty program and um, our six in the forest program is part of our loyalty, which means you've gone to at least six electric forests. Now, mind you, there's only been nine that have happened thus far. And so this year will be the 10th, but there's, you know, multiple thousands of people who are six in the forest. So I think that's really, really cool and definitely speaks to, you know, that it is way more about um, the vibe, you know, it's kind of like, go, I grew up going to summer camp, sleepaway summer camp. And my friends, you know, we're almost 40. And um, I have friends who've come to every single one, and they have kids. And, you know, even for me working, like my group of friends, they always come. And so I think there's just something about it. And also being in Northwest Michigan in the summer, right before July 4th, it just has like a great nostalgia American vibe of like summertime. Yes. Wow. You just brought me there. Um, Yeah. And so I've always wondered just for music festivals in general, but especially for Electric Forest, just with how powerful it's become and, you know, what it's grown to be. But so very, very high level question. And this may be a silly question, but what goes into making the lineup? Like, is it, are you looking a lot at metrics and like seeing like what bands are having like growth what like who's up and coming okay this is a good business decision to like have them here and obviously I like the music but you know kind of adding that in or is it mostly your team just kind of sitting down and throwing in names in the hat of you know groups that you're just personally enjoying and you kind of want to yeah put put them up not a silly question so um we partner with Insomniac on Electric Forest, which is also really interesting because Madison House Presents and Insomniac were two independent companies back when Electric Forest started in 2011. And then Insomniac was acquired by Live Nation and um, Madison House Presents was acquired by AEG for some like background music industry insider stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I've always worked with um, a team member at Insomniac on on the music. And of course they are, you know, one of the largest um, electronic music promoters in the world. They have festivals everywhere. and so it's really fun um, getting to work with them. And I've um, worked with one one guy over there, Carlos, for many years. And now I work with a guy named Simon. And so um, we collaborate on ideas. Um, we, we make a huge list. Um, we, of course, you look at metrics, you look at, you know, streams, you look at ticket sales, but also there's just a lot more to it than that. It's a huge puzzle with so many stages. You know, we have about... Um, 10 stages when everything is all said and done. We have our main stage, um, you know, String Cheese Incident is a staple on the lineup and they play, you know, a couple of big shows uh, every weekend and they do their big shebang on Saturday night, which is like a four hour theatrical show. And then pretty much every, um, every night after them and on the, on the, you know, shoulder nights, there's more of a electronic leaning headliner, right? So this year we have Disclosure, Grizz, Porter Robinson, Lewis the Child. And then our other stage, Sherwood Court, is kind of like the second main stage. And that one looks directly into the forest. So it just has a, 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 di- a different look and feel. And then we have the Tripoli stage, which is an all, um, all DJ stage. So there's no real like, um, live bands on that stage and then we have a large tent stage so that one accommodates bands and djs and has led so you kind of look at it um 
with the production of the stage, what can it accommodate? What types of music um, is suitable for that? The stage in the forest called the observatory. I kind of think of that as um, kind of like a, a Fillmore type, you know, um, room in the middle of a forest, you know, it has like tiered um, areas to watch shows. It's great for like afternoon reggae, bluegrass roots. And then also, you know, sunset, like down tempo and like deep house and things like that. So I think it's, it's a huge mix of, of vibe and um, music and art and really kind of it's a it's a massive puzzle but now that we've been doing it for so long there are certain elements that are are you can plug in like on Friday night on Tripoli is our bass rush curated event which is all bass um, you know driven uh, electronic music so we like know what that looks like and then we can counter program the other stages to not have that type of music on there wow yeah so that's definitely a huge puzzle to build every year that's yeah, over 150 acts on on the show. So it's it's fun. Yeah, I mean, a ton of work, but super inspiring to see it unfold and see people obsessed with the experience. That's amazing. Yeah, and the beauty of getting to book that many artists is that you can also book up and coming stuff that might not be, you know, the ticket selling, right. you know, um, sp- Spotify streaming artists, but stuff that you really like and you think will go well and can expose people to. I think that's um, super fun to to add as well. Yeah. And so I also heard, so isn't Electric Forest kind of like the pioneering, um, like one of the first festivals, big festivals that were booking EDM? Or... Um, No, I wouldn't say that. I would say that in terms of american camping festivals you know obviously um you know there's bonnaroo and Mm -hmm. and i went to a few of the first few bonnaroos when i was in um college and and that was amazing for the festival scene in this country but before that there were all kinds of smaller regional camping festivals around around the country that some of them still exist but um you know there used to be like a lot of them a lot more regional ones um and there's still you know the high sierras and peach and all kinds of great events throughout the country um camp bisco was uh is a festival and was a festival that had a lot of um jam and electronic music on it and i would say that definitely um in that space was pioneering and then electric forest kind of built on top of what a lot of these festivals around the country kind of were already doing you know campisco in the northeast bonnaroo was very you know jam forward in the south and then looking at something in the midwest which didn't really exist there was a festival called Ten Thousand lakes back in the day that was you know kind of jam centric um and putting together electronic music, like big headliners, I would say, like using kind of the style of headliners that would be on an EDC or working with Insomniac um, and then bringing to the table what we did at Madison House Presents with different festivals that we would produce, like with String Cheese Incident Regional Festivals um, at Horning's Hideout outside of Portland and kind of taking the best of both of those worlds and putting those together on a really um, amazing site that I think is what, you know, was like the thing that made it click and go off. Yeah. 
That's an incredible combination. I saw an old clip. I'm not sure if this happens often, but I saw like Skrillex on stage with string cheese. Yeah. And you would never really expect those two worlds to uh, merge there, but... String Cheese has done a lot of really cool things um, with their different incidents they did. We did the Lauren Hill incident at Electric Forest one year with, with Lauren Hill and her band with String Cheese. Um, wow. They've played with Zach Brown at, not at Electric Forest, but at other events, um, played with Skrillex. You know, they've played with a lot of different kind of electronic. They play, you know, with Dom from Big G and and Grizz has played with them and, you know, just like a lot. They, they're, they're a great band. And so um, they can do a lot of things. Do you think that... Um, Electric Forest played a part in bringing folks from the electronic scene, like it, like closer to the jam scene. Yeah, I do. I think especially in the Midwest, you see it, and I've been told this, so it's like anecdotally and and from the artists that have played it you know hey we played this show and all of a sudden our fan base in the midwest exploded and we were then we came back and we had all these people who said we saw you at electric forest and so the amount of times that i've heard that that is really really incredible to me and i know that that is impactful for a lot of you know touring artists wow yeah i can't really think of another festival who's very specifically you know focusing on to unlike genres and merging them together like so intentionally so that's really cool yeah thanks yeah um so speaking of growth with you know how much electric forest has grown and what it's done to uh oh wait actually my dog is eating something strange yeah well let's let me just take care of that stand by just a rock so okay all good um yeah it's okay yeah just eating some you know pebbles um so back to ag and so how many years have you been at ag for so i was there from um 2006 to like 2008 and then um was uh, worked as an agent and manager and promoter at Madison House Presents until and, and um, 2014. Mm-hmm. And then AG Madison House Presents are under the same umbrella. So since 2014 back um, under that, you know, banner. Yeah. Has there been any groups that you have been working closely with that you've really seen grow from nothing to something huge or, you know, have really morphed in a way that you've kind of been along with for the ride? Well, you know, there's a lot of them that I've seen and that have kind of like grown up around the scene and, and that I've been able to like watch. Um, I've only been, you know, really on the, on the full touring promoter side for a couple of years and, and two of those years have been a pandemic. So that's interesting, but you know, there's (laughs) artists like, um, Lewis, the child who also, you know, are from Chicago and they went to electric forest in high school and now they're headlining it this year, you know, and I've, and they've played it a bunch of times on different stages and like kind of grown. And there's a lot of those types of acts. If you look over the years of people that I've worked with Grizz, for example, um, you know, love seeing those people who are incredible, incredible people, um, and great musicians, like get growing and really now solidifying their themselves as like headliners around the country. Wow. That's amazing. 
Um, so and obviously Goose, you know, they didn't get to play it yet, but um, <laughs> we'll get there. We've seen their explosive growth the past couple of years as well, which is which is so great. And and you know, I'm a huge fan, and and definitely, you know, have been to my fair share of, of Goose shows. Yes. We'll we'll get to that in a moment. Which okay, I, okay. I'm excited to dig into. Don't I mean, to jump the gun. No, no, no. I mean, it is a Goose podcast after all. I mean, I their tagline is like something about how they it's not about goose or something i think it's a little play on words i don't know but anyway we'll get back to that that's their uh, tagline <laughs> it's definitely not that what i just said we're gonna have to dig into that and do a little like uh we'll cut that check out. at the end <laughs> we'll fact check <clears throat> um anyway but yeah no the like managing global talent and touring during covid must have been an absolute you know very interesting experience shit show. Kind of a shit show is what i'm trying to say so like how did your team manage that like like how did you shift gears and make you know lemonade out of lemons for lack of a better term there wasn't a lot of lemonade at the beginning right um <laughs> just a lot of lemons but because it was really hard for to see you know musicians and our friends and our community be out of work um that was really 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 tough and devastating and knowing how um and and the crew right touring crew and all these people that we've worked with for so long that are so incredible at their jobs and have dedicated their lives to like supporting the the art of live music on the road suddenly had no work and um it's just a lot of pressure you know and and i think everybody kind of felt the mental you know, strain of all of that. Um, and also, as we know, like so much, you know, so much mental health crisis over it as well. It was just, you know, the layers are super deep. So it was horrible. Um, and and then there was like, you know, hope and light at the end of the tunnel and like canceling shows and rescheduling them, you know, over and over and over and over yep. and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and be like, okay, well, you know, six months, we're going to be fine by August. Okay, well, let's start booking things for, November or December. And then it was just, you know, on and on and on. Um, So there's so many people supporting those efforts around the country at at every, you know, company that works in in music. Um, And it was a pretty stressful undertaking to not know how many times you were going to have to rebook something and was it ever going to happen and in many cases you know that just like kept rolling until the end of 2021 and into 2022 and then obviously you know now we're just adjusting to what that looks like and we've been able to tour and you know people were doing the drive-in shows and and different types of things uh as we moved through the pandemic outdoors and and you know we figured it out eventually um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't all that fun at the beginning uh it became more more fun once we were able to do a little bit outside and and kind of like reconvene um then you know things became a little bit more tangible i felt really bad for the people who were rebooking you know huge events that um for 2021 and then you know had to pull those down and and redo them it was you know, not a good time for our business or for musicians. So everybody deserves a lot of credit. Yes, I can't imagine. But something that's kind of cool that came out of the pandemic was Lively. 
Yes, that was a saving grace for me. That was some lemonade. Yeah, um, that was a big, a big jug of lemonade. So um, lively was something that um, I started the first week of the pandemic with Mark Brownstein, who's in the Disco Biscuits. He is my co-founder. It was called Live Lesson Masters for the first six months. Mark called me um, the first week of the pandemic when we were all just at home, like um, on Instagram Live, doing weird things that we were all trying to figure <laughs> out. And and he called me one night and said, hey, I put out a tweet to my fans asking them if they would want to take lessons with me. And I have like 250 DMs. Oh, my God. And so he, what a like this seems like something that people might be interested in while we're all out of work yeah. in our community and for our other friends. Um, and I was like, okay, I think it was like one in the morning or 12 in LA and Mark lives in Philly. So it was late. And I was like, call me in the morning and let's figure this out. Yeah. And he called me in the morning and we got on zoom and we sat on zoom, I think for five days straight, basically with like two or three hours of sleep. And we built um, the first iteration of lively, which was called live lesson masters. And Mark and I called all of our, you know, friends in the community and in the scene. And we're like, Hey, okay, we think there there's something here. You want to get in the boat and like, see if it works. And it did. And um, we were able to support a lot of our friends through the pandemic, um, connecting them with their fans for one-on-one -on -one and small group experiences, doing DJ shows and private, um, private acoustic sets and, um, you know, lessons and meet and greets and, and little group chills and Q and A's. And um, we relaunched it as lively with a team of people that we were able to hire through the pandemic, many of whom still still work for us. Um, now we have engineers and we have a real um, platform, not something that I built that I had never done anything technical really before. Um, and it's been a, an incredible, incredible journey. And now it's totally transformed into like kind of, you know, this post pandemic um, fan club live, you know, you can still take lessons, you can still do meet and greets, but we're adding new features every day. And we have a big web three component um, to unlock experiences with NFTs. Um, and Mark's really been instrumental in leading the charge on, on so many of these initiatives. And he's just, I can't say enough good things about him. Oh, that's incredible. So yeah, there's definitely some good things that came out of the pandemic, you know, obviously it was very tough, but like you said, the post pandemic world, it's really interesting because all of these remote experiences were built. And I think that there's still a big market for them because, you know, even though we can be in person a little more now, you know, we're still in different places around the country and around the world. And I think it really did unlock a door for these experiences to continue to flourish. And Lively is just so cool. I mean, I remember watching Rick teach lessons um, during the pandemic and it was really funny. I mean, just the pandemic culture in general of working from home, doing business meetings from home, like you're wearing a nice shirt and like pajama pants and, you know. Or no pants. Or no <laughs> pants. Or just totally naked. Um, but yeah, it's funny because also Rick is not, he's, you know, kind of a, a little bit of an introvert, you know, like a little, and he'll admit that too. But I think it was definitely interesting for him to hop on these intimate sessions with people and it's just one-on-one -on -one, like very intense and you know they're they're a big fan it's an amazing moment for them um but when he finally got into the swing of it he you know built 
relationships with a few you know clients and they had this really special thing and he would get really excited for particular lessons each week yeah, seeing how much they progressed right yes. it's like so cool when you like see someone learn something and then they do it yeah exactly and there's this really funny story actually of um this this one guy that was taking lessons with rick um i think it was mother's day back in uh i think 2020 i guess yeah and um their lesson was about to end and he's like Oh, by the way, can you actually sing? Um, I have a huge request. Can you sing "Escape" for my mom? She's right here. <laughs> like, so obviously, and I was standing right there behind him, folding laundry or in front of him, and I was like, "You need to say yes." Like, if you say no, like it's you're gonna ruin Mother's yeah, Day. Like, it's literally this guy and his mother, and he's asking you live, like, "Can you sing Escape?" And so I was like looking at Rick. I was like, "You better say yes." Um, and so he did play it, you know, he played escape on his, uh, on his guitar and I peeked around to, at the screen to look at the faces of these people. And it was just, Cheers. yeah, like best <laughs> moment ever. And I have to say that was one of my favorite COVID memories of, um, you know, that barrier kind of being broken between, yeah, like different states in, in the U S and you're just having this intimate experience and learning music and yeah, super cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. shout out to that guy. I hope your mom liked that. Yes, I, I forgot his name, but I think... It's okay. He's probably listening. <laughs> yeah. I think it was life-changing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and people needed that, right? So yeah. bad. I mean, not only did people need it, but I, I won't speak for Rick, but you can. But, <laughs> you know, I know other people that are on Lively and other all the musicians and people that I'm friends with, they needed it, right? There's something about being a touring musician. If you play live and you're an improvisational artist and you're, you're constantly having this musical conversation between your band members and your fans that are super engaged and then you're cut off, yeah. then you get, you know, you're lacking a huge piece of connection in your life that you're used to. And so when that went away, I think it really was pretty devastating. Yeah. And um, being able to have a little piece of that in whatever form is, you know, healing and I think was super helpful and, and really was able, able to like allow us to continue because um, that didn't really exist before. And then all of a sudden this new thing was there and now figuring out ways to integrate it into like the current touring landscape. What does that look like? And how do you keep uh, engaging with your fans? Because instead of just doing like a meet and greet on tour that night with whoever is in that city, the possibilities are just like way, way deeper. And I think it opened up people's minds and, and, you know, management and agents and everybody who works in the business to really think outside the box on what can we do virtually to really add a lot of value for fans and artists. Yeah. And especially in the jam scene, because, you know, certain genres that are so reliant on the live experience, you know, I feel like a band like Goose, you know, obviously they have great recorded studio albums and whatnot, but it's really the live concert experience that people are so inspired about and so passionate about. So yeah, just, I guess, reiterating, but um, super cool. Um, well, shout out Lively. Gonna, Thanks, yeah. <laughs> gonna shift gears here. Um, so Obviously, the reason or one of the reasons why we're both here right now is because this is a Goose Girls takeover, as the great beyond likes to say. And we are both women identifying uh, folks. So that's why we're here. And um, 
We're goose girls. We're goose girls. Yeah. Like that's what it comes down to, I guess. <laughs> um, but sometimes I get frustrated when I hear these questions about like, how does it feel like being a woman and X, Y, Z? Because it's like, you know what? Like, why can't we just get treated and asked the same questions that men get asked, you know, in the industry. But the Is back- this the hard hitting part of the interview? <laughs> this is the yeah, the peak here. We're gonna ask some real manly questions now. <laughs> Things are gonna get dark. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that it is important, I guess, to speak about being a woman in the industry because, you know, oftentimes women are treated very differently and paid differently and are given a different um amount of access to the industry beforehand and you know may have to work a little harder to prove yourself just because of the way our world has been built and our culture has been built so yeah i guess i just wanted to ask you about you know the patriarchy the patriarchy yeah (laughs) tell me everything start (laughs) to finish about your experience with the patriarchy like every aspect (laughs) of your life okay well you know you're right it is it is um a thing right it is a thing for for all women and as we're seeing right now you know with you know abortion bans coming back who would have thought you know um there's just i mean we can't we we can't even scratch the surface i've been super lucky in this business to be extremely supported by many men and women and a lot of my mentors um are you know incredible men who've opened up doors and kicked down doors for me and given me opportunities as well as women and i think that's not everyone's experience um and also i've had women uh tell me that maybe i have rose-colored glasses on sometimes about it because they'll like point something out to me that maybe I don't even think about like, see, right. you are experiencing sexism in this specific scenario, because that wouldn't happen. If you were a man, we wouldn't even be talking about this, you know, concept, whatever it is, if you were a man. And, and that's true. Yeah. Um, it really is. And I think in the workplace in general, but specifically in entertainment, you know, I know, um, I have friends who've told me that they have had, you know, comments made about their outfits or, you know, whatever, you know, just stupid, stupid things that would never take place. Um, I can think of a lot of like small examples. I've current, I have not ever experienced any sort of like dangerous situation Mm -hmm. um, or something that made me feel, you know, really uncomfortable physically or emotionally as stemming from like the music business or experience on the road. I've been really fortunate. I've had amazing experiences and, um, but I know a lot of people have um, had different ones, especially female crew members, um, touring. I think that's changed a lot in the past. I don't know. I I don't want to quantify it, but let's say five years, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen a shift. There's so many more women out on the road touring, you know, goose has a female tour manager. There's just more representation and more opportunity. And obviously, um, you know, the more diversity of gender and thought and, and race and everything that you have on your team, the better you're going to be like, Mm -hmm we know that we see it when you have more diversity amongst your team everybody is lifted up you know when you have all um straight white men on your team like you know there's only going to be a certain direction that things are going to go and a certain kind of level of thinking that 
isn't their fault. That's just, you know, they're all brought up very similarly. And so you're not going to have, you know, necessarily a ton of diverse opinions on the grand skate uh, scale. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's still tough. Mm -hmm. And, and I just try to really um, be an advocate for the women that I work with and give them kind of the same experiences or even better experiences than what I had, because looking back, I can see like little things, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily have um, a lot of peers, female peers, that we could talk about a lot of things together. Um, or it, things were just different, you know, 15 yeah. years ago when I was getting started. And now there's so much more opportunity. Diversity is an, a thing that's talked about at work. And, and there are certain expectations, thankfully, that are put into place and things that are no longer deemed appropriate and people will call out if they happen or if they see them happen and people know that there are consequences for your actions that might not have always been there before and you know I'm certainly no fan of cancel culture I think it's Mm -hmm. you know not a great direction for us to go in whatsoever Um, I think that there's a lot better mechanisms out there for healing and and reconciliation and and positive growth um, because you know, all of these things are, are, you know, cultural, right? So we can't just change them like one, one reprimanding one person at a time. It's going to take like a lot more to shift the culture. Um, but I feel super lucky to work with amazing women on my team, have amazing peers, have amazing young women, uh, female buyers that I work with, talent buyers, and, and try to like just be an advocate for them in meetings where they are, where they're not. You know, I think a big thing is is credit, giving women credit um, that they deserve, not stealing their ideas, not talking, you know, over them and, and just like little things that really will make like big shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can make a long list. We can post it in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> things, the things you can do. <laughs> no, that was an incredible answer. Thank you so much for unfolding that and talking about your experience and stuff. Um, what I wanted to ask you next was if you were to give advice to a young woman getting her start in the industry, um, yeah, what, what advice would you give? And maybe through the perspective of yourself back in the day when you were just getting started, um, what advice you would give yourself? A lot. <laughs> um, but things that have served me really well are that I did a lot of different things. Um, I, I worked in artist hospitality. I was a runner. I learned how to settle shows. I worked on the agency side. I worked as a manager. I went on tour. I worked in the office. I sent faxes, (laughs) you know, um, a lot of different things to kind of like really figure out what you want to do. There's so many facets of this business. Um, there's so many people that it takes to have a band's touring career run um, on all sides, right? Legal, publishing, label, streaming, I mean, marketing, digital, it's so endless now. And there's so, so many more opportunities um, to be involved in live music, if that's something that you love, that you can kind of take almost any skill set and apply it, right? You want to be a lawyer, you could be a music lawyer, you, you know? Um, and, and I think really finding people um, that will 
you know, not necessarily be your like lifelong mentor, but people that you can connect with and, and find out what they do, how do they do it and investing time and energy. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like working super hard will get you, you know, where you want to be at some point. (laughs) Um, especially if you have people helping you. I mean, that's really the key is, is connections, relationships. And, you know, if you are going, if you want to work in a venue, like work in the box office, work uh, for the caterer, work for the backstage hospitality person, you'll meet so many people that way. And, um, and just show up, you know, with integrity and, you'll, you'll be good. You know, there's, there's a lot of jobs available in the business and it's really just about, um, making yourself useful and, and helpful and indispensable, just kind of like in anything else, but especially in a business like this, where everything is very, you know, there's so many variables, uh, in real time that change or things that can happen, or, you know, you have an outdoor event and there's weather being nimble, being flexible. And also I would say, if I had to give myself any advice, um, something that has really changed my uh, life during the pandemic is meditation. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm a, a, a way better person now <laughs> because of that. How Shout out. Meditate. I mean, I try to every day, you know, but um, that I, I probably would have caused myself a lot less suffering if I had started that a long time ago. I'm trying. I mean, meditation is one of those things where every year I tell myself this year I'm going to try to meditate. And Rick has been getting into it a lot more. But um, yeah, I I have a few times in the past few months. But, you know, I think really doing it every day is when it starts to give back to you. Is that right? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely so helpful. If you work in any high stress situation or, you know, if you're a human being on the planet (laughs) right now in 2022, I think um, that's my advice to everyone. Wow. So was there, so you mentioned, um, you know, having, having someone that was helping you kind of through everything and, um, you know, having a mentor of sorts in the industry to kind of, you know, give, give you advice when you need. Was there someone super influential to you? Or I'm sure there's a, a handful of people, but does anything stick out to you right now? Um, you know, an older person who kind of showed you the ropes and influenced your your growth? Yeah, I mean, I definitely kind of, there's a list, right? And it changes yeah. throughout for some people, maybe you have the same one your whole life, but I think as you go through um, different stages, like maybe different people are what you, what you need at different times. Um, You know, when I um, first moved out to Colorado, you know, and I worked for Don Strasberg, um, I'm so fortunate to have worked for him, huge mentor in my life. Um, And also Eric Pirrett, uh, who I worked with and, and who's still a great friend. And he is a president at Live Nation now, but we all used to work together. And Don um, it runs the uh, Rocky Mountain region for and the Pacific Northwest for AEG. And then at uh, Madison House, I worked with, um, you know, all the partners there, Jeremy Stein, Nadia Pressure, Jesse Arito, who um, I worked for as his assistant, and he uh, passed away in December. And he was a major influence on me in terms of um, what he brought 
to the business as a manager, as an agent, and like the legacy that he left behind of doing everything with like compassion. I mean, you, there are so many people who don't behave in that way in this business. And Jesse was just like a pillar of like the biggest, strongest, most amazing guy with like the softest heart um, who was touring and an agent and a manager. And um, he was really, really special to me. Um, and then someone who, you know, is my age, but also um, I think of as a, not a mentor, but like a, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what you call it. Well, she's my best friend, but we work together. Um, Darcy Johnson. Um, I've been so lucky to work with someone who's become my best friend and who's a woman in the business. And we get to like kind of go through the journey together. Um, that's been pretty special to have. Shout out Darcy. Yep. Goose girl. Goose girls. We'll have her on next. Um, well, this is that time of the interview where we just sprinkle in a little bit of goose for a moment, Great. <laughs> just to kind of close it up. But yeah, so when was your first goose show? Um, my first goose show, let's see, I'm guessing it was probably in 2019 or maybe the end of 2018. Oh, wow. This is where things get fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking back before the pandemic. Um, I, I'm probably the beginning of 2019. Wow. Do you remember what room it was or a festival? I don't. Well, that's, I don't. I'm sorry. That's oh, no, that's totally fine. I mean, I think that that's a really special time to have seen your first Goose Show because that's, you know, right as they were really yeah. getting that momentum. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was right at that time. Um, and and, you know, I, I have friends, obviously, who work with them and, and on their management team. And so I was like early to the party in terms of their their growth, hitting more like mainstream stuff because I yeah. was around it and being told, like, you have to go see this band. You have to listen to this band. You need to listen, you know, listen to the streams. And yeah. and I'm like, damn, this is good. <laughs> yeah this guy can sing this rick yeah this guy has pipes you know he does he does um yeah my you know what? i needed a new jam band to sink my teeth into yeah and they came at the perfect time wow yeah i think that's what a lot of people say you know like goose came around at the time that they were looking for the next thing kind of but um yeah yeah my first show i think was december 2018 yes at the goose miss they had at this little bar in Norwalk. Um, okay. So mine was definitely in 2019 then. Okay. Yes. Great. Thank um, you for bookmarking <laughs> that for me. <laughs> no, but it does really blend together. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's such an exciting last few years, but it, it is hard to kind of like index it there. But um, how would you compare just with how many shows you go to and how much you're traveling and how many uh, festivals you're going to, uh, for work and pleasure and everything in between, um, how do you compare the experience or the energy that you feel, you know, backstage at the Goose Show and what, what you see on stage? And um, yeah, what are some like nuances that, that you've picked up on in the Goose world, the Goose universe? Um, it is fun. It is joyful. It is I think, you know, something that I've picked up on is that, you know, 
there's a lot of women there too, which I love. Ooh. And like my female friends love to love it just as much. And, and I think that for me, that's great to be able to turn people onto this band and be like, okay, listen to these songs. And then they're like, oh yes, like well, I want to go and see it with you. Um, and that's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, just being able to kind of like build a new community and have a new thing to go to have more options. You know, I went to, um, Goosemas, Goosemas revisited this year yeah. post, um, Christmas Goosemas. Mm -hmm. And that was so fun, you know, seeing them in an indoor room with a big light show. Um, it was, it was just like such a fun, fun weekend. Yeah, that was crazy. It was actually, I think it was actually good that it ended up being pushed because that first Goosemas could have ended up being like a major super spreader event, but I don't know. I think everything happens for a reason. So, hey, definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. Thank you, Alicia. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of hit all my points here. Do you have anything that you would like to say to the world of uh, the great beyond and goose girls and just, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, keep showing up, keep supporting your favorite band. Um, you know, it's, it's tough out there. And, um, and I'm so glad that we're all getting back on the road and seeing each other. And I just think this summer is going to be one for the record books and we can look back on it. And I think it's going to be a major, major, you know, moment where everybody's reconnecting with their friends and pretty much having hopefully like one of the best, you know, times of, of the, in recent memory. So I'll just say that. Let me know if that's true in a few months for everyone, if this is the best summer of your life. <laughs> we'll do a revisit in September yeah. and see if it Perfect. was. Um, I'll see you at Westville, right? Yeah. See you soon. See you soon. Yeah. I'm not sure when this episode will be released, but you know, oh, well, thank you for <laughs> coming on here, Alicia. And um, yeah, just thanks for your time and sharing all your stories. And that's it for the Goose Girls takeover, or at least the first one for now. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, talk soon. Bye. The Great Beyond is presented by Osiris Media and engineered by Greg Knight from his apartment in Brooklyn, New York. A huge thank you to my co-host, Julia Mitri, my amazing guest, Alicia Carlin, and most of all, you the listeners for tuning in. Be sure to catch a ride with us next time down the pathway to the great beyond. Osiris.